Hello and welcome to the sit down. This is Chad Brown and today we're joined with AHS principal Mr. Rivera. We're going to try to answer some of your questions you may have coming up in the next nine weeks. Well let's get started with introducing Mr. Rivera. Well, Mr. Rivera where have you worked before Augusta High School? So in the classroom um, I, when I graduated from college I started teaching at Garden City High School and then I've taught at Andale High School and Wichita South High School before coming to Augusta um, and when I haven't been in the classroom I've worked for an organization called Young Life um, and I was on staff with Young Life in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico and Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Um, why did you decide to come to AHS? Uh, well I grew up in a, in a one high school town out in western Kansas in Garden City and I loved the community um, feel of being in a one high school town and so when the assistant principal position came open at Augusta Middle School, um, it was an opportunity for me to still be close to Wichita and still be to all the fun amenities that we have in Wichita and yet uh, be in a place that still had a community and a hometown feel um, like uh, Augusta does. Yeah. Um, what do you want students, staff, and people of the community to know about you? Um, I don't know. I think one of the things that people don't realize is I'm the youngest of ten. Um, I'm a first generation uh, college student, so nobody in my family went to college um, after high school. Um, so I'm the first out of those, um, out of my family to do that. Um, and another interesting fact is the oldest six in my family were born in Mexico, and the youngest four of us were born um, in the United States. And so, come from a big family. Um, I always say they saved the best for last. Um, but yeah, that's kind of you know, and how I grew up. Yep. Yeah. Okay, now that we have established who you are, let's move into the next nine weeks. Because we're coming into the end of this nine weeks, and a lot's happened, especially with you know new stuff. Um, with sports, what are sports going to be like? So I think kind of our goal, um, and I think the goal of many schools around, is to try to have as normal um, athletic seasons as we can. We know that athletics are a big part of the high school experience, and so uh, we do have to follow some case guidelines. And so our hope is that you know our winter sports like basketball and wrestling all continue um, and really what you'll see on the mat and on the court won't change much there's a few changes in in some of the guidelines and the rules um, really our changes will kind of continue to be with uh, fans and fan capacity so and we're still going to be limited in capacity um, so vouchers will still be part of the system for for having that our hope is to continue to have uh, some semblance of a student section um, but again masks and temp checks and vouchers Unfortunately, you're still going to be part of our COVID precautions yeah. as we move forward. But again, we want to have the most uh, have kids give kids the opportunity to compete um, and still have those experiences. Yeah, I think other than the mass, we're pretty much normal the entire football. I mean, I guess the the second half of the football season. Right. So you know, we had the we had the vouchers. Um, we were limited, and then as the after the first two games, we kind of reevaluated and. Uh, um, Mr. Olive and, and others we kind of got together and, and with input from students to try to bring back a student section and kind of put some limits um, with that but again we want to move forward and give us the most normal um, experiences that we can with the understanding that we're living in the middle of a COVID pandemic. Um, moving off sports since oh, really sports are kind of near the second half of this nine weeks coming up what um with something coming soon, what are parent-teacher conferences going to look like this year? So one of the things that we did at the parent-teacher conferences is we visited with the principals um, around the county and, and around our league um, just to see what they were doing. 
Uh, one of the things that we did decide as a district is that we would go virtual. And so we're going to do our parent-teacher conferences on the same nights, same formats, um, but they'll be virtual. They'll be either via Zoom or a phone call. Um, they're going to take place with our ACE class students. So teachers have all your ACE students in class. Um, and it'll be a little bit like a student-led conference where students are going to fill out a form that talks about their grades and they to reflect on how they're doing in class. Does their grade really reflect, reflect their ability in that class? Um, if it does, why or why not? And then also look at what are some positives that they've um, had this year and also what are some areas of growth. And so really have students reflect on that and then that's the information that we'll convey to parents as we uh, move forward to parent-teacher conferences. Now, is there any way if like a parent wants to talk to like just a, a specific teacher if they could? Right, so um, our first um, priority is going to be that teachers communicate with their ACE teachers, but then again, if you're struggling in a class or a parent has a particular concern, they can reach out um, to that teacher uh, really at any point. You don't have to wait till parent-teacher conferences, but um, all of our teachers will have some open slots where they can actually do a parent-teacher conference with, um, with parents who are interested in, in visiting with them. Um. Moving off the parent-teacher conferences, you said you worked at the middle school before here at Augusta, for Augusta, and their phone policy near the end was a lot stricter than, I guess, the high school. Now, do you like that about the high school, or do you see it as a problem, or would you like to change it? Well, you know, at the middle school, we're dealing with 12- and 13-year-old students, and, and here at the high school, um, we're talking about 16- and 17- and 18-year-old kids. And so I think when you're older, you're, you're more mature, and you can handle things a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, I do think that we can do some things that help um, facilitate learning better and, and maybe some restrictions on cell phones uh, may come down the line. But really, I think the big purpose with our phones in the classroom really need to be educational. educational. There's got to be an educational purpose on there. And so I think that the reality is that cell phones can be a distraction. They can be a huge benefit if they're used the right way. Um, but a lot of times they can be a distraction. And so... Uh, We'll kind of evaluate that. We'll do that with you know our principals advisory council. So we'll get student input, and then we'll talk with our building leadership team to get teacher input. And as a way that's, how can we effectively have the use of cell phones in our classrooms and in our building without it being a distraction and taken away from yeah. from student learning? I think the Chromebooks help a lot too because like everybody uses their Chromebooks. We can get onto Google Classroom. We can email teachers way easier. And I think it's just like a nice thing that everybody has a Chromebook they can right. use and easily right. get into. And so I think that's important that when we talk about cell phone policies, that it, we're not looking at cell phones as being evil, but it's how do we leverage the things that we have to maximize what we really should be all about at school, which is really learning. Um, moving on, it's I guess the overall crazy part of this year with the... With regulations, what are regulations going to look like the next nine weeks with like social distancing, mask wearing? So I think you know we're going to continue to do everything we can to keep students safe and healthy and our teachers safe and healthy. And so we'll continue to do temp checks. We'll continue to do um, the face mask will be part of our, our procedures, um, our daily you know hand sanitizing and cleaning and disinfecting and all those things, really so that we can continue to be face to face with all of our students in the building. A lot of places around the county and around our area have remained in hybrid or have gone to full remote. Um, and so our hope is that we can continue to have all of our students in the building, but in order to do so, we have to keep those precautions in place um, until, it's, until we hear from our health experts um, differently. Yeah. 
And I think, like, we're, we're doing pretty good, I feel like, for our school, especially with, like, you know, some other schools struggling, you know, around us real Right, close. so we, we've got some area schools. You know, Hutchinson has just gone to remote. You know, Wichita is looking at, at coming out of remote um, and looking at some things. But really, I think we've been at the forefront. We've planned well, and we've done some things well. Kids have been great. Uh, teachers have been great so that we could have everybody in our building and continue to um, have as, as normal a learning experience, as normal a school experience as, as possible. Yeah. Um, a question is, what things have to happen for a student to be quarantined? Okay, so when we look at quarantine, we follow the guidelines, and our guidelines are aligned with the county health department, the, um, the state health department, and then with the CDC. And so the guidelines that they have established is that um, closer than six feet, so you're within six feet and for a period of, of 10 minutes or more. Um, and so with an exposed person, so somebody who's tested positive. Yeah. And really uh, they say that it's 48 hours from the onset of symptoms is when they're contagious. And so that's when we kind of do our contact tracing um, and follow those guidelines um, that are set by the state and by the CDC. Now, another a big question was, is like, if I was quarantined because I was near somebody that has that tested positive, and I went and got a test and it came back negative, would I still have to wait the full 14 days? Right. So the guidance that we have from the state and from the CDC says that even if a student, if somebody tests negative, that they still have to f uh, finish out their 14-day quarantine. Um, and that's because... Um, that's the time frame from which their symptoms could develop. Yeah. And so, um, again, we're going to follow the advice and the guidance from the health experts, and, and that's what's in both of their documents. And so as a district, um, we're going to follow those and, and take their advice and, and their guidance on that. Um, if I was quarantined, am I seeing, let's say I necessarily didn't test positive for it, so I'm just being quarantined. Am I, am I seen as a remote, a remote learner or am I kind of seen as being sick where I don't have to do school or what, what should I expect? Right. So uh, a quarantine student is, becomes a remote learner. And so you're getting lessons um, through Google Classroom. You're um, able to zoom in in some classes, depending, you know, obviously depending on the teacher and what's happening that day. And then our counselors have set up times when they're checking in via Zoom with students just to make sure, um, kind of want, want to make sure that, they're emotionally healthy as well. Um, I know that this is just kind of a, a strange, difficult time, stressful for everybody. Um, and so we want to make the best of, of that situation. Um, and it's not perfect, and we're not perfect, but I think we continue to refine those, those procedures. Um, we get better um, through it. But really that's um, one of the things that, that we've established is we want, to kid, we want students to continue learning um, even when they're not in our building. Yeah, and I think the Google Classrooms helps so much. Cause yeah, so I think when our teachers are trying, um, it's new for everybody. And yeah. so, um, you know, when we, I think it's, it's important to note that as we go through this process and we've gone through the process, it's that we've refined what we're doing. So we're always reflecting what, what went well and what didn't go well. And so if we need to go back and change some things, um, we're doing that. And so. Yeah. Um, what things have to happen for a student to be sent home because if their temperature is too high or if something else happens? Question right. of sickness. So I think um, our nurses um, visit with those students. Um, if they uh, have what we'd call COVID symptoms, mm -hmm. um, then they're sent home. And, you know, 
there could be a re number of reasons why a student has symptoms. So it could be a cold, could be allergies, um, could be strep throat. And so for a student to be sent home and then for them to come back, um, the guidance um, requires them to have a doctor's note that indicates an alternate diagnosis. So right. something that states from the doctor that it was not uh, COVID. Okay, and let's say if I was at home sick, maybe I didn't feel good that day, would I have to get a COVID test to come back to school? Or if nobody in my family really has it and stuff like that, I feel like it's not COVID? So not necessarily. You wouldn't have to get a COVID test to come back um, if you're just at home feeling sick. Yeah. But, you know, again, our nurse has to ask those questions. And if they're COVID-related symptoms, um, then she would ask that we have a doctor's note that indicated that it was not COVID. And coming off, I guess, the whole COVID spectrum of the school year, which is kind of throwing a loophole with everybody, um, what should everybody look forward to coming into the next nine weeks? I think we're just going to continue to do what we do well, um, and that's um, build relationships with kids, um, provide quality learning experience for students. I think if we continue to do the things that we're about as a school, um, then we're going to be okay. Um, you know, we want kids to come. We want kids to enjoy being at school. We understand that we also have to do it in a way that's safe, and so yeah. that's why those precautions are there. Um, but really, we do want it to be a, a great learning experience and, and just so that kids are building kind of these memories. And, you know, we did not create this pandemic. We don't control the pandemic. We're living in it. Um, and I think our job is to make the best of this situation for our students. Yeah, I think people just wanted to come back to school so bad. They, they would, they didn't, it wasn't really seen as a hassle. It seemed like, oh, yeah, we're going back to school. Right, like everybody's right. Got, everybody, you know, they write down the desk. They just come in. They're naturally wear the mask. Because I haven't really seen a problem with mask right. wearing. In no, classes. no, I think our kids have been great. Teachers have been great. And I think really the one thing is that we believe that the best place for students is in our building. And, yeah. you know, we have um, on a given day 750 adults and students in our building. And um, even as much as, as many kids we've got quarantined or kids that are, are distance learning, the majority of our people are in the building doing what they're supposed to be doing so that we can have a safe and conducive learning environment. Now for a little fun question to end off the segment, are you a savory or sweet type of guy? Ooh, uh, I'm a little bit of a mixture, but I'll have to go with sweet for today. Wow, I'm a savory. Uh, okay guys, well thank you very much with the sit down. We'll finish it off. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.